Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel, your host and friend of Unadulterated Heart. If you are aware of current events, you can see that biblical prophecy is unfolding right before our very eyes. So season five is going to hold nothing back. There's no time. So let's get to it. Here we are at the end of the year. This is a time where a lot of people are reflecting on how the year went. Some of us are celebrating great victories and blessings, while others are praying that next year is nothing like 2023. While we are in this contemplative time, I would like to submit another thing to ponder upon. When we think about things such as blessings or hardships, do you ever start thinking about how you may or may not deserve something? We live in a culture where you hear things like, they got what they deserved and Oh, come on, you earned it. Where accolades and pats on the back are expected when we do a good job. Then when we don't get those, we are hurt and offended. I want to take some time and look at Psalm 103 to get more insight on what we may or may not deserve. I want to start on uh, verse 8 of Psalm 103 where it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Right here. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. It's amazing. I've quoted the, um, as far as the East is from the West in earlier seasons of the podcast, because whenever I truly grasped that he removed my transgressions, removed them, took them as far as the east is from the west, that they could not touch each other anymore. That blew my mind that his forgiveness was that deep, that he completely removed them. Like all of the sin that I willingly stepped into, he removed from me. When I fully repented and changed my mind, I changed my ways. I didn't want to live that lifestyle anymore. He removed my transgressions just like that. Seems so unfair. When I think about his mercy and his grace and the way that he forgives, it seems so unfair. So unfair to him, right? Because we are not getting what we deserve because it says here he does not treat us as our sins deserve because all sin is detestable in his eyes so it just got me thinking about how as i reflect on this past year and going into next year you know the resolutions and goals and plans that we make in the beginning of the year I'm really just reflecting on how much I don't deserve and how much he gives. 
Which brings me into this incredible amount of gratitude where my circumstances might not look like I want them to look. I might not be where I thought I wanted to be. And I'm not speaking of me personally, right? I'm, I'm just speaking in general. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not where I want to be or anything like that. Uh, I'm just saying like, as we, as we think about these things, as we really ponder upon our lives at the end of the year, which I feel like many of us do, I really just want to submit to you to think about what the Lord has truly done for you. And I don't mean circumstance wise. I'm not talking about blessings. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about children. I'm not talking about family or friends. I am saying what the Lord God has done when he sent Jesus, when Adam first sinned, completely disobeyed the Lord and went against what he said, God already had a plan to redeem him. But we do not deserve that. We cannot be a good person and think that we deserve salvation or we deserve blessings or we deserve gifts at all because we don't deserve any of it. The word says that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. All of us have fallen short, every single one of us. Even if you are somebody who has followed the Lord your whole life, you grew up in a very powerful spirit-filled church, maybe even, or your parents have taught you about the Bible your whole life or whatever, and you grew up pretty sheltered and didn't really do the whole, you know, teenage finding yourself thing, which is good. The whole teenage finding yourself thing is a complete sham. It's terrible and such a lie of the enemy, right? So uh, maybe you never had to go through that. Maybe you were in the church your whole life. And so you're a pretty good person, right? You haven't sinned as much as the one who was a drug addict or an alcoholic or an adulterer or whatever. But here's the thing. The word also says that our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. I'll take you there. So Isaiah 64 verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. So even, even our righteous acts compared to the holiness and righteousness of the Lord God is like filthy rags. Even if we are serving in the church day in, day out, and doing our devotionals, all of these things which are good. I don't know about the whole serving in the church day in and day out. If you have a full-time job and you're also serving in the church day in and day out, when is your intimate time for the Lord? You know what I mean? So I don't want to actually say that is good. Um, but that's besides the point. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that even if you're a pretty good person um, and you may not have gotten into all of the trouble that somebody else has gotten into, none of us actually deserve his grace. We know that grace is an undeserved free gift of the Lord. None of us deserve salvation. What we deserve is to be judged for our sin. But instead, 
we got this free gift from the Lord Jesus who laid down his life willingly for us to bring us into right relationship with God Almighty himself tore the veil in the temple, which means now we can have one-on-one personal connection with the creator of the universe. That is outstanding. And we don't deserve it. That's what I'm trying to get at. I think that the reason I started this episode off with reflection of thinking about all of these things, the year, the blessings, the circumstances, the hardships, whatever it is that we're pondering upon as we come into this new year, what if we thought about just the simplicity of the fact that we do not deserve the kindness and grace and mercy that the Lord God has given us by sending his son to pay the ultimate price so that we could have one-on-one personal relationship with the creator. Because of the fact that we hear of these things, maybe often if you're in the church, how much do we truly ponder upon, meditate on, and really think about that we don't deserve it? I don't know about you, but whenever I think about what God has done for me, And the fact that I actually deserve hell. All of the sin that I have committed in his eyes. I deserve to be separated from him because of it. But because of his great mercy and grace, I'm going to spend eternity with him. And even more than that, which it's like, what could be more than that? But here, what could be more than that is spending now with him. I don't have to wait until heaven to be close to him. I don't have to wait until heaven to conversate with him, be in his presence, have heaven invade earth. That's what I am pursuing because we all know that this world is really dark and it's getting darker. And if we fix our eyes on the circumstances of what's going on around us, the backstabbing, the betrayal, the lying, the cheating, the selfishness, And we're going to lose focus on what the Lord is trying to speak to us, do with us, use us for, as we are the light, because he is the light. And I think a a huge way that I want to step into 2024 is with a heart of gratitude, just gratitude that he is not repaying my sins for the way that they deserve. I'm grateful that I can step into the throne room boldly, as his word says. I can come to him boldly. Another thing that I want to submit to you, that if you really are grateful that your sins are not being repaid the way that we deserve them to be repaid, how are you choosing to live? Are you just grateful to get into heaven? Hmm. That reminds me, I want to bring up another scripture. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to start actually at at verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. 
But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day, and the day is capitalized, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. I want to look at the note in the Fire Bible when it says, Escaping through the flames is probably an expression meaning by a narrow escape or barely saved. God will evaluate for each person the quality of his or her life, service, influence, teaching, and work for his kingdom, especially of each minister. If a person's work is judged as lacking or unworthy, he or she will lose some degree of reward yet will be still saved and enter heaven. Notice that this passage does not teach a doctrine of purgatory, which in quotations here, the belief that there is a place where souls remain until amends have been made for their sins and they can enter heaven. Paul is speaking of a judgment of works rather than the cleansing of a person from sins that would lead him or her to eternal punishment and separation from God. We know that this life is very short in comparison to eternity. If we really think about and we're okay with the fact of narrowly escaping the fire or flames, but that everything we do will be judged by fire, as it says here, that it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So everything that we've done and will do here on earth will be judged by this fire of the Lord. And what we do, it says here, if any man builds on this foundation, the foundation being Jesus Christ, building on this foundation. So if anyone is doing things for the kingdom, which doing things for the kingdom doesn't always mean serving in the church. It could also mean serving your community, serving your neighbors, loving people, forgiving people. What is the motive of your heart here? You know, um, because if the motive of your heart is, oh, okay, so now my works are going to be judged by fire and I need to do as much as possible for the Lord um, so I can get as much rewards as possible. I... I like, let's back up for a second. Okay. Um, because yes, of course we, we want our lives to count in heaven, right? Does anybody truly, are they okay with narrowly escaping the flames, knowing this truth? Maybe, but those of us that are not okay with it, that we, when on this day, on this day that is being spoken of our works, how much of them are going to be burned up because they were worthless? How much of them will be burned up because we did it mostly to inflate ourselves 
and not to glorify him. How much will be burned up because of laziness? How much will be burned up because of selfishness? I'm evaluating this for myself as well. And this is another reason why I want to begin this next year with a heart of gratitude. Because as I do not deserve the grace that the Lord has given me to restart my whole life, to begin as a new creation with him, because I was lost in darkness for so long, how can I die to myself daily? How can I lay down my life for him in this coming year? I also have been really pondering upon another thing that I have talked about a few times in this podcast. And it's, you know how, if you really think about the fact that Jesus could come back at any moment, because nobody knows the day or hour, right? But we know to watch for the signs. That's what the word says. If he could come back at any moment, then that should give us some sort of urgency in our spirit, right? To step out in faith more often, to grow in love as much as possible so that we can have compassion for people and be able to do these good works for the Lord, just to glorify his name, to bring him glory and and praise and honor with our lives, to to give our lives as a living sacrifice, like the word says, right? But like, where's the balance of having that urgency and living like that daily? And then also planning for the future because you don't know when he will come, right? Because some of us, like me, are the type of person that when you feel something, know something, believe something, you put your whole self into it. My personality is what some people call a foot on the gas type of person. Like I'm all in. Whatever I do, I do it with my whole self. And that can be good. And that could not be so good at times. (laughs) So with this specific idea of the Lord coming back at any moment, I have found myself at times not planning for the future sometimes because I feel like he's probably going to come next year or whatever. You know, it could be any moment. So, but that isn't healthy either. The Lord would want us to be ready for his coming, to give us that, that urgency to not waste our lives, but then to also have wisdom and plan for the future at the same time. What a delicate balance. So that's something else I'm pondering upon for this new year as well, how to have that balance. Because I want to keep the urgency because it keeps me humble. It keeps me ready. It keeps me motivated to continue in uh, growing in righteousness and growing in holiness and growing in love and compassion for people. But then I don't want to be so focused on his coming that I don't plan for any sort of future here if he decides to not come for a while or what Christians say a lot a lot is uh, Terry. So when I think about these things, about my works being judged, when I think about him coming at any moment, I am not saying these things to cause any stress or anxiety or regret of time wasted because how good is God that as soon as we realize something, as soon as it really 
goes deep into our hearts and our minds and our souls. And we can repent of any time wasted. And then we can move forward because that's what he would want us to do. Because the enemy would love for us to see that we've wasted a bunch of time and then get all down on ourselves and be like, well, just forget it now. You know, I've already wasted this much time. It doesn't even matter. It it does. It does. Today matters. Tomorrow matters. So if you're like me, we got to just repent of any time wasted and look forward to what the Lord is doing now with us. Let's talk about one more thing to wrap this episode up. And James... We know that uh, it says here in chapter 2, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. I'll pray for you, man. I added that part but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good, Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? It's like you want some proof that faith without deeds is useless? Okay. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as a righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? When she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction, as the body without the spirit is dead, okay, we know that somebody who passed away has no spirit inside of them because their spirit went somewhere else. So as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So as we go into... This next year, and as we reflect on 2023, again, I don't want us to be in a place of condemnation because we know that in Jesus there is no condemnation, but I am bringing these things up for myself too. Believe me, I need to hear these things just as much as anybody else. Let's not allow this next year to be dead works. Let's not allow this next year to be another year that goes by that we narrowly escape the flames. There's a way to do this though, so that it's not in striving. Because sometimes we hear a message like this and we're like, oh my gosh, I got to sign up for every single ministry in church and like, you know, be there every day of the week and uh, do this, do that, blah, 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 all this stuff. Ah, striving. No, no. Let's just, this is the, the easiest way 
to hear something like this and allow it to give you urgency and allow it to convict you righteously and allow it to uh, begin a change in a healthy way, right, is to sit with the Lord first. First and foremost, you have to get with him and seek him on what he would want you to do. Because if you have wasted time, like I have wasted plenty of time in my life, just repent of it now and move forward by beginning to lay your life down in a new way. This could mean even um, when you get off of work, you may normally uh, take an hour, maybe two, maybe more, I don't know, what to, I don't, uh, to hang out and chill and relax, watching TV, playing video games, whatever your vice of that sort of thing is, uh, scrolling through social media, whatever. That's how you relax. Might I challenge you to cut that time in half that you would normally do those sorts of things? It's not like those things are inherently evil, but if they take up a good portion of time, I would challenge you to cut those things in half and with the other half, take that time in reading the word of God accompanied with prayer and meditation. Meditation in the way of, actually, I did an episode on it. So if you're not truly sure on what the biblical meditation is, in an earlier episode on this podcast, I talk about it. I think it's called rest and meditation or something like that. Um, because there is a very important aspect of reading the word that should be accompanied with meditation. Because if you're just reading it for knowledge or checking off a box or something like that, it's all wrong. Anyway, let's just really evaluate what we're doing, what we're saying, how we're acting, what are our motives? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? If we are serving constantly in a capacity in the church or whatever, are we serving to glorify the name of the Lord? Are we serving to make his name great? Are we serving to allow people to experience the love of Christ through us? Or are we serving to build our own name? Are we serving to make ourselves feel good? Are we serving due to obligation? Are we serving to make us feel like we are great people? Do we feel really ugly inside? So we serve a lot because we're trying to make up for something. You know what I mean? Let's let's really evaluate why we do things. And then even do we spend a lot of time doing things that gratify our own flesh? Do we spend a lot of time doing selfish, independent things that aren't really bad things, but could the Lord be wanting us to maybe use our gifts, resources, time, energy, whatever, influence to maybe help someone, speak into somebody's life, mentor somebody, help somebody, serve somebody in some sort of capacity. We're placed in the families and the communities that we live in for a reason. It's not by happenstance. We weren't born by happenstance and we weren't born 
into the places that we are by happenstance? Are there places and people that we maybe should be going or being with that the Lord may be laying on your heart right now to sacrifice some of your downtime to go and be with, to go and serve, to go and help or whatever. When we stand in front of him, when our works are being trialed by fire, when all of our works are being thrown into the fire to see what burns up and what doesn't, what's going to be left? What have we done in our lives out of selflessness, out of just for the glory of his name, out of the great desire to want to know him more? Because ultimately, that is what matters. What truly matters in this life is loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and then extending that love outside of yourself to others so that people in this very dark world can experience the love of God. Jesus said that they would know us because of our love. I didn't want to not mention another way that we can lay down our own selfishness and um, things like this is also a very important way is prayer. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer is coming in agreement with heaven for seeing the change that you know that the Lord wants to see and that you greatly desire to see as well. We don't put enough emphasis on prayer sometimes. Declaration of the mouth, the Lord has given us great power with that. The word says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. When we declare and we speak things out, I don't know if even I truly understand the depth of the power in that. And then when you agree with somebody else in prayer, oh my, it is so intensely powerful that sometimes the greatest things that we can do for someone is actually pray for the situation. Calling them up and praying with them is even better. And maybe going and seeing them in person, if it's possible, is even greater still because then you can lay hands and all this. So anyway, serving in a capacity, it doesn't have to look the same as what we've known before or what we've always done or anything like that. There are so many ways that we can just start to step into our high callings as image bearers of the creator, of the ones that he gave dominion to over this earth. Because if all of us were walking in the authority that we do have in, in the name of Jesus, this world would look really different. But it can start with us. It can start with the one in the family who passionately loves with their whole heart and forgives when they're wronged and isn't judgmental, but is able to speak the truth of the Lord in love. So my challenge for myself and for everyone listening for this year would be to first, like Mary, sit at his feet, seek his face on his plan for what he would like 
you to do with your time, gifts, resources, because I know that he has great plans for you and I, especially as the time grows nearer to Jesus's return. The dark is going to get darker, which means us being the light need to be lighter, stepping into the fullness of our callings and our destinies, learning what our gifts are and utilizing them, speaking into the lives of those around us, loving people, growing in compassion, holiness, and righteousness. And as we do that, we're going to push back the darkness in this new year, in our lives, and in our families' lives, in our friends' lives, in our communities. We're going to take back what the enemy stole, all for the glory of the one who deserves it all. Until next time, go in love and light.